Welcome to Election Profit Makers, your guide to human experience. I am Kid Santa, the original sleigh rider, Christmas rebrand. And I'm joined with my two holiday elves, Starly. Hello, Starly. Hi. And also in the North Carolina workshop, making his toys, little John, the little elf. Hello, John. Hey. How's everything going in, in Santa's workshop, John? It's it's pretty... Uh, it's a big it's a big mess. Got a lot of toys around here. Did you finish making that wagon for Timmy? Yep, I did. I still need to actually add a little more paint. <laughs> did you finish making the um, miniature piano for Becky? Yes, I did. It's very ornate. Oh, I still needed to, to tune it a little bit. You know, tuning <laughs> takes a while. You can't just tune it all at once. Mm -hmm. You have to tune it and then come back to it. It's, but it's the job. It was last week was kind of a bad week, I have to say. We have officially passed three hundred and fifteen thousand COVID deaths here in the United States of America. Seventeen and a half million cases, mm, pretty small amount of cases of COVID, and there was a massive, <laughs> massive Russian cyber attack that. <laughs> And also, it's the holiday season. This is supposed to be objectively the best week of the year. If you live a Santa-centered lifestyle, as I do, this is supposed to be when you're in your prime. And instead, yeah. it's just kind of a, a mopey, dopey week. Well, we just have a lot to get to, but let's start with something on a little more personal note. Uh, my parents are doing better. Uh, my dad got off oxygen today. So mm. he right. is... He's... Uh, Done with his treatment, I guess. Uh, really? You know, he's not, well, I mean, he's not taking any medicine. He's not on oxygen. He doesn't need any physical therapy. His lungs are clear. Uh, I mean, he, I think he's still wiped out. Um, and my mom is, 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 I think she's doing a little bit better than he is. Uh, but she gets to a point where she's like at the end of the day and all of a sudden she's completely wiped out and can't really do much after that. So, yeah, they're still recuperating, but they're no longer uh, infectious and um, he's not on oxygen. So that's the update. Good news. Your parents are basically post-COVID. That's great. Yeah, and post-COVID can last for weeks or months or maybe a lifetime. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's the hope that they will be fine and not have any, any lingering effects. Good. I have some, uh, I have a COVID quiz for everybody. This is a little, we have to find the lighter side. And when, um, when life throws you lemons, find a lighter side. So here are four people who got the COVID vaccine. Tell me which one makes you the most frustrated. Marco Rubio, Mike Pence, head of the coronavirus task force, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, and Iowa Senator recently reelected Joni Ernst. Remember, Joni Ernst was the one who suggested that doctors were faking COVID diagnosis to make more money, and the whole thing was a hoax. Mm. All these politicians are being uh, vaccinated at the head of the line. Rubio, Pence, McConnell, McConnell and McConnell and Joni Ernst. Which one is the one where you see that photo and you're like, God, it really makes me mad. That's going to be my new catchphrase. God, that really makes me mad. Mm. Mm. What did Mark Rubio say? About Mark Rubio the other night, Marco Rubio, was quoting some book. You know how he loves to quote the Bible on Twitter? He was quoting some book of the Bible even I had never heard of. I don't even know what this book. It must be some weird Old Testament footnote book. 
I think he just searches for Bible quotes and throws them up. It was like Zephastoresis or something. I was like, mm, I think you got them. I think you mistook like a Norwegian black death metal band for a book of the Bible. And I can't remember the point he was making. The point he was making was probably like, don't criticize anything I do or the Lord will smite you down. So what's who that you're top? Joni Ernst. Yeah. It really, really pained me to see Joni Ernst get to cut to the front of the line and get this vaccine after saying it was a hoax and that doctors are making it up to get more money. And then she's tweeting about how she got the vaccine and we should all stay safe. But Pence is in charge of the COVID task force. He's ahead of it. And all these people are dead. It's directly connected to him. And so he just shouldn't be allowed to get it. Or he should be last. What about Giuliani? We talked about Giuliani a few weeks ago getting COVID, and uh, we were sort of laughing about that and whether that was right or not. Uh, and I, mm-hmm. I didn't mention this because I didn't think about it until later, but when my dad was in the ICU uh, and I was talking to him one night, he actually mentioned Giuliani having COVID, which he thought was very funny. So <laughs> I can just say... That my my dad unironically had no problem making fun of Giuliani having COVID, even though my dad himself was in the ICU with COVID. He he had jokes. He had jokes for Giuliani. God love you, Mr. Kimball. So it's appropriate. You can make fun of uh, Giuliani for getting COVID. Maybe Giuliani getting COVID was the little boost that helped your dad's system defeat COVID. It might have been. Maybe it was the bit of good news that that allowed your dad, your dad's system is like, we're shutting down, man. There's nothing left to live for. We're so fucked. Then your dad hears Giuliani has COVID. All his white blood cells are like, to the fortress gates, we will defeat this disease. Yeah, not going to let Giuliani defeat it. And of course, Giuliani went to the hospital within five hours and got everything. Oh, God where it was like five days before my dad got any of that stuff. Giuliani went to the hospital and got his body taped back together. I mean, there Mm -hmm. was more than just COVID they had to do maintenance on once Giuliani (laughs) checked into that hospital. (laughs) They had to plug all sorts of leaks. All sorts of leaks had to get spackled. (laughs) Yeah. They had to spackle him up, re-grout, set in some new grout on that forehead. That's probably why there's no ICU beds available. They had to call every doctor in the state. All the king's horses and all the king's men, as it were, couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. They probably left off an ear still, even with all their work. What if Giuliani showed up and his ear was like, one of his ears was like on his cheek? People wouldn't even bat an eyelash <laughs> at this point. The people wouldn't even bat an eyelash. We have a lot to talk about when it comes to money and predicted markets, but I just want to mention a couple things that I don't think are directly relevant to the markets, but this was just such a nutty week. Can I just read to you? This is like, you know that podcast, The Daily, that the New York Times does, where I think they just read the newspaper to you every morning? I want to try that. I want to try a little bit of that about this Russian Mm -hmm. cyber attack, because this really did not get a lot of press attention. Okay, I'm going to read you a paragraph The scope of a hack engineered by one of Russia's premier intelligence agencies became clearer on Monday. That's a week ago now. When some Trump administration officials acknowledged that federal agencies, including the State Department, the Department of Homeland Security, and parts of the Pentagon had been compromised, in addition to the Treasury and the Commerce Departments. This is a lot of departments and agencies that the Russians got to. So everyone says it's Russia. Now, I know this is... is, we're just Uh-oh. feeding the base 
preaching to the choir. <laughs> oh. I hate to do this. I hate to give him any oxygen or any attention. But just listen to Trump's tweet about the Russian hacking. This is what he tweeted. The cyber hack is far greater in the fake news media than in actuality. Russia, Russia, Russia is the priority chant <laughs> when anything happens. Because lamestream is, for mostly financial reasons, petrified of discussing the possibility that it may be China. Parentheses. It may. It may. I know. That's normal. <laughs> there, could, there could also have been a hit on our ridiculous voting machines during the election, which is now obvious that I won big. Making it an even more corrupted embarrassment for the USA. And then he tags the director of national intelligence and... Secretary Mike Pompeo. I don't know, man. You know, back in the day, everyone used to say, this is not normal. Don't you ever think this is normal? And I have to agree. This is not, this is really, <laughs> Yeah. I would love to just, I would someday, someday I would just love to know what, what the deal is. Just like, what is the deal? What do we think the deal is? Because it is interesting. That part is interesting. Okay, here's my theory. Okay. I think he has serious psychological problems and he and he really does have a form of oppositional defiance disorder and he's a narcissist i don't think he's a russian agent uh working for the russians i think he could be considered an asset which people think that sounds in, insane but that just means he's somebody that the russians are so, sort of using useful. Him, and he doesn't necessarily recognize that there may be some fear for him that they might have some information on him. But I think generally he's just like, oh, you believe that Russia did it? Well, then I believe that they didn't and I'm going to do everything I can, right. which is incredibly damaging for him and for the country and for, for everyone. But I, but I think there might be less there than we realize, though there is something there. <sighs> I also think there's a, um, there's a component of it that is straight up villain meets villain. You know when you watch movies and you're like, how can someone be such a bad guy? And why are other bad? Why are people working for the bad guy? And what is a villain? And I think that's what he, he is a villain. Right. And mm -hmm. I think he likes how Russia operates. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He said that. And North Korea. Yeah, and it's tough guy stuff. And he likes that the tough guys like mm. him. He thinks that they like him, mm -hmm. even though I think he is also being used, like John says. There's mm -hmm. a swagger to it that he respects mm -hmm. and he wants yeah. to be identified with. Mm -hmm. It comes down to these kind of these kind of feelings that are driving him, and and that's what makes him an asset because yep. all of these feelings are making it so the Russians can are getting closer and closer to taking over right. our democracy. I mean, democracy. They, they they could not ask for. I mean, of course, all this has been said, but I mean, he's perfect. He really is amazing for them, uh, and horrible for us. Who do you think was more excited? Which bad guy was more excited and 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 had to keep rubbing their eyes because they couldn't believe what they were seeing? Osama bin Laden, when he saw both World Trade Center towers collapse, or Vladimir Putin, when Donald Trump was actually elected president? Which one of those two bad guys do you think was more like slapping their forehead like, son of a gun, it actually happened. Wowie zowie. That's a tough one. Yeah, I mean, those are pretty comparable, you know? And with with uh, Osama bin Laden, it was something that kept paying off over and over and over. It's like, oh, now they're invading Iraq? <laughs> I know, I know. Oh, he had some good years in that compound. Right, and now Putin <laughs> is like, 
And now Trump is proposing that we're going to have a cyber, a joint cybersecurity department <laughs> between the Russians and the U.S. And he's convincing half of Americans that democracy yeah. doesn't work. I mean, it was just over and over. Oh. And Putin did less. There was less planning. Ex- yeah, yeah, and that's true. Trump is improvising ways that Putin couldn't have imagined. Yeah, you're right, actually. Yeah. Trump is like John Coltrane. Putin is just like laying down that nice steady groove and then Trump is like, oh, that's your idea? Watch this flight of fancy. All these modal improvisation. Putin's sitting there with the brushes on the snare drum like, this motherfucker's going off. This is terrific. You know? Woo! Wow. Exactly. Giant steps. The only other news I want to talk about, I mean, and this is also very important, probably the most important news of the week, The only bright spot of the week is that after long months of debate and delay, Space Force, the members of our Space Force, the United States Space Force, which Donald Trump has invented, he invented a whole new branch of the military. That's how tough he is. They will now be known as Guardians. Now, this is very relevant to the three of us here at Election Profit Makers Headquarters because earlier this weekend, we recorded our Space Movie Patreon episode, which will be up soon. You can access that at patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers. I think it's kind of a lame name. I have to say Guardians. But what what else could it be other than Guardians? They could call it the- um, I mean, I'm the- The laser people. Yeah, all right. The helmet heads. The oxygen gobblers. (laughs) But, I mean, the name of it is Space Force, so it's already ridiculous. Space Force is 20 times tougher than Guardians. I would have rather they just left it as Space Force. A Guardian sounds like Trump is trying to build a new religion. That's getting into those kind of terminologies. <laughs> yeah, you're right. We are the Xenus, the Space Force Xenu, the volcano livers insiders of. Yeah. All right, this was all just a huge preamble to get to the big news. John predicted paid out. Good, good golly, Miss Molly. Yeah, we're at the, the end. Finally predicted, felt like they had enough coverage, I guess, because all the other big betting sites paid out. Uh, Predicted said, we're going to do it. Explain what you mean by paid out. John gets his money. Yeah, I mean, they've settled the market. And you're talking about which which markets? Can you tell me who's president then? Yes, they they said that uh, Donald Trump has not been elected president. Unbelievable. Biden has been elected president. Unbelievable. Uh, They settled this morning um, the market. Will Trump win Michigan, Wisconsin, or Nevada? That one has settled. The Electoral College margin of victory has settled. Um, Even though the Electoral College hasn't, technically those votes haven't, haven't been counted. And technically there are these alternate electoral votes being sent up to the Senate, which we all know is not true. So predicted has settled them all. The only one that they haven't settled is the popular vote margin of victory because there are still votes that are coming in and and being counted in various states. So at long last, according to predicted, the 2020 presidential election is over. Uh, Yeah. And John, you made some money, didn't you? Yeah. At long last. I don't know what the final number actually is, but it's it's over nine thousand dollars. So, Whoa. and what was your what is your return? What is your percentage return on your initial investment when all is said and done? It, it, it's just under a hundred percent. So you just about doubled your money. Yeah, I just about uh, you know I I du- I dumped a bunch of money in at the last minute to try to get a few 
hundred more bucks and that, you know, hurt my percentage wise. So yeah, I'm technically just under a hundred percent, which is pretty good considering we started in, in March and I didn't really get into the tweet markets until right before they closed. <laughs> a tragedy we are all still recovering from. Yeah, I think I could have really done uh, even better. But considering that I was pretty conservative, doubling doubling my money feels feels good. You made $9,000? Yeah. That's so much money. You did great. Yeah. That's so much money. It's like, that's like $10,000. Whoa. $9,000 is $10,000. You made $10,000 from Predicted. That's so much money. Yeah, it's good. It's great. It's great. Now, what's going on with all the MAGA bettors who are threatening to sue Predicted and all these other online betting things because they think they're engaging in a fraud, a conspiracy to deny them the money that they've thrown into the election? Some of these investors have thrown in thousands of dollars even after the election, insisting that Trump will be the next president. I mean, many, uh, probably 2,000 of this 9,500 that I made, I made on <laughs> markets that that I jumped in after the election was over. So that's crazy. Yeah. I mean it's ridiculous and and I feel sorry that these I actually do feel sorry for some of these maga people. Probably not for the ones that have money to burn and are are wealthy, but I think there's some people that legitimately believe this uh they they've been brainwashed by YouTube or mm-hmm. the right-wing media sphere um to to truly believe that that these things are going to happen, and it, it's it's sad. I I don't know. The MAGA people were so bad. Remember, remember what they relished taking our money last time in 2016 when they found us somehow and on our SoundCloud and we're and they gloating. They took all our money and, and they left some real sourpuss messages for us. Real gloating. Look, you got to give them credit. I mean, they were right in 2016. Yeah, they, they were. They crushed. But I can't give them credit because they have no other outcome in their mind. He right. Trump lost, and they continue to believe he won. But Starley, they believe that that we believe that they believe that. Oh, well, you can't bet on anybody other than the Democrats winning. But you do which is bet not on true. you. Yeah, right. it's not true. I'll bet on anybody uh, if I think they're going to win. Bad boy. I can never bet on Trump winning, but I also would have just abstained from that. I'm not delusional. Right. right. They learned the wrong lessons from it. I think I retweeted on Twitter a, a study that showed that beginners tend to, when they have a, a little bit of success, they tend to just take it too far and, and suddenly believe that they have a lot more ability than they really do. And I think that's what uh, MAGA did in 2016. They had this amazing victory where they were right and everyone said they were wrong and they won five to six times their money. And then also Brexit happened and everyone was wrong on Brexit too. Uh, so they made all that. And then they were like, we have got this. And then they just lost everything in 2017 and 2018 and 2019. But then they somehow forgot that and thought, okay, well, we're back to the presidential election. We've got this. And uh, no, they didn't. But all of that makes more sense than them betting after he lost. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It really, I feel like that, it does illustrate the difference between the two parties, belief systems. Like, that wouldn't happen. That just wouldn't— No, it would, that would, would it, not would happen it? today. I agree with you. I, I think it's possible that maybe under certain circumstances, the left could become as delusional if they had an, an organization like Fox or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I was down in that rabbit hole for a while. Yep. And uh, 
2004. Right. A lot of black box voting and it was stolen in Ohio. You know, I'm reading all these experts and I know that the New York Times just isn't covering it. But now I, I realize how young and naive that was. And I don't think the Republicans or the right, they haven't had this experience that the left has had with 2000 and 2004. We've had these really close elections that we've lost where we've gone into this kind of conspiracy mindset. In 2000, it was close for them too, though. I mean, they, we all lived a close election. It's just it benef- they won. It, it went to them. Right. And that truly was a close election. I mean, that was 537 votes. Yeah. So you, someone was going to win and someone was going to be unhappy about it. This was not close in any way, anywhere, <laughs> in any state. But they're backed up based on sort of a mythology that uh, electronic voting is not secure, which is true in a sense that electronic voting isn't a perfect uh, system and that in theory and even in practice in small scale cases, these individual voting machines can be hacked. But on a large scale case, if something like that were to happen, it would just be obvious after the fact that that's what happened. And we would have won the Senate. Yeah. We would have won all of it. I mean, that's... (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) They would have done a better job. I went to a doctor who said, have you looked at the footage and seen them (laughs) rolling the suitcases in? Have you looked at it closely? Go home and look at it. A doctor. What what did you say to the doctor? I was like, you are too smart to be saying the things that you are saying. I can't can't see you if you're going to be, if you actually believe this. Really? You said that? Yeah. Because that's getting up, that's getting up into QAnon, QAnon neighborhood. It's not quite, it's bumping up against the bottom tier of QAnon. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. It's QAnon adjacent. That's like, if you had a couple more drinks, you might start. Dip a toe in the hot tub. (laughs) But it does make you realize that people that elites, people that went to Ivy League schools, people that are doctors and lawyers and neurosurgeons and uh, astrophysicists can believe insane things. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. It's been really eye-opening. So, John, you've made almost $10,000 on Predicted. It's time for you to reinvest all that money on Predicted. Oh, oh, okay. (laughs) So let's talk about some of the markets that you're going to turn around and dump this money right back into, okay? (laughs) I I don't know if that's a great idea. I think Uh, you should keep your money in. Don't take your money out yet. It's not safe out here for money. Keep your money behind the castle walls. Keep your money within Predicted. That's a good idea, you think? Invest in your community, John. Keep the money and predict it. Okay. We have a Georgia Senate races are coming up. And these are hot markets with a lot of volume now that the presidential markets are closed. Uh-huh. And we have, as of this recording, a new coronavirus stimulus bill, $900 billion. We are all going to get 600 American dollars. So the question is... John Kimball, as you invest $10,000 into the Georgia Senate race markets, Mm -hmm. what effect will the stimulus bill passage have on this? On the Georgia Senate markets? I I think it will help the Republicans, right? Yeah, I kind of think so. Yeah. Isn't that why they're doing it? It's going to help. People getting $600 is going to make it to they vote for Republicans. Well, let's remember, a lot of people have already voted. There has been a lot of early voting. So that's done. Is it going to make it people vote for Democrats? I mean, Democrats— Well, this is, a, this is the problem with the stimulus bill. 
No one looks good in this. It's just too much money. The problem is it's just too much money. <laughs> Everyone's like, wait a minute, $600? That's too much. Give me $200 because it's only been, what, eight months of hell we've been living through? <laughs> it's too much money. It's unseemly. $600. So, yeah, what does it come down to? Like, it's $80 a month. It's, so that's $20, $20 a week. Yeah, thanks. So that's almost $3 a day. <laughs> God. I'm going to use my 600 to pay off my credit card bill that I used to borrow money to make money on Predicted. But will you pay it all off? How much of that will be paid off with the $600? Does it cover your bill? Are you done? Are you debt-free now oh, because no, of the stimulus no. relief bill? I mean, it'll cover uh, the interest probably. Right. I don't the know. APR. I, I, I took an additional 3000 out on my credit card bill. So I got to pay that 3000 back. But then there's some interest there. Why did Nancy? Why did Nancy Pelosi come out today and say six hundred dollars is a substantial amount of money for she working families? She has why, issues. Why do that with this bill? Why do that? She has issues. Oh God! I mean, this is the one. This is this this relief bill is what really did it for me with Nancy Pelosi. You guys are totally on top of this. I don't know any of these quotes. Okay, because well, you stopped paying. You you now you only watch movies about space. John got his money. He doesn't care. The rest of us can fucking drown. As far as John yeah. is concerned, he is Nancy Pelosi now. Yeah. He might as well. We we're going to call him long. John McConnell, Mitch McConnell. <laughs> I was going to go that far. Schumer. He's Schumer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So a couple days ago or last week, Nancy Pelosi did a press conference. Did you watch any of either of you watch that? It was no. It was when she first announced that they were going to they were going to concede to what they weren't going to concede to before. Right. The previous round of stimulus talks. Now that was going to be an acceptable compromise. Yeah, and the reason is because Biden won. Right. And. Because of vaccine. So we have less time to live with this, which doesn't account right. for the months <laughs> since August that right. we've had to live with this pandemic without any relief. Right. And the reporters were pushing her mildly. And she got so instantly defensive. She kept insisting it was a good bill and everything's different now. And now the Biden's won, it's all fine. She was just acting so, so offended they were supposed to deal with this in August. And to now come out and, and offer $600, <laughs> they shouldn't They should just kept the $600 out. Because the $600, it's, it's rude. I wouldn't want to be Nancy Pelosi trying to balance the, you know, the need for relief for Americans and then trying to game it out with whether or not it's going to help Trump or hurt Trump in the upcoming election. And then you got Mitch McConnell, who's obviously a complete sociopath and isn't going to pass anything. Because what does he care if people die or starve or are homeless? That's one thing. And they did do some good stuff in the bill. They got rid of the corporate liability waivers. If like a fucking Amazon forces all their employees to go work and get COVID or whatever. But it's like, don't then turn around and try to gaslight your base into thinking this is a triumph. Like be like $600 fucking sucks. Uh, If we don't take the Senate, this is what your life is going to be like forever. I mean, why? I don't understand why why present the bill as a triumph? Like, this is awful. It's pathetic. I think this $600 is pathetic, and this relief bill is pathetic. Not the whole relief bill, but the time it took. And any triumphant tweeting that might happen is pathetic. Yeah, I agree. It's just a really, really bad, embarrassing situation that our country is in. You know, more than 300,000 people died and there's vaccines sitting around and they don't know what to do with it because the federal government hasn't told them where to send it. And then everyone's going to get $600. Like, 
I hate, and I hate to be a downer when it comes to coronavirus, but I have to say, <laughs> this is not a great look for America. Do you think Trump really did want to give us more money? I kind of believe he did. Yeah, not of course he, he did. Cares about us. No, because he could put his face on it, and you know, everyone would have loved him. Oh, you think he wanted he wanted to be Trump dollars? Yeah, you think in his, his mind cur- he was yeah. like, we'll literally print out Trump dollars. It's like Chuck E. Cheese coins, but you can use it to buy, you know. But I think he's also like, he loves money. And I think he's like, yeah, money's great. (laughs) One thing about Trump that I do admire is how much he loves money. (laughs) I mean, we have to say about our president, he loves money. This guy is crazy about money. I think it it transcends whether he thinks people, he doesn't think, Mitch McConnell thinks poor people don't deserve money. Trump doesn't think that way. He's just like money, not everyone should have a lot of money, but everybody wants a lot of money. (laughs) I love money. Let's print more money. Let's just have more money in the world. It is kind of endearing in a way. (laughs) (laughs) Donald Trump, the money-loving president. All right, let's, let's talk about fucking John Kimball this goddamn Pete Buttigieg snafu, this train wreck you got me in. We're going to use nothing but transportation analogies here because as we recorded last week's episode, unbeknownst to me, Biden was announcing that, yes, indeed, Pete Buttigieg is his nominee to be the secretary of the Department of Transportation. Meanwhile, Kit Midas, the original train rider, had gone in pretty heavy on no, Pete Buttigieg will not be in the cabinet by March 1st. I've lost a substantial amount of money on this position, John. You always counseled me and said this was a wise choice, and I was very smart for holding this position. We now realize you were completely incorrect. You said always that I always counseled you. I I counseled you once. No, you did it multiple times. You did it on and offline, John. You did it on and offline. Okay. You did. And this is some, and I have to say, John, you're a good guy. And everyone thinks you're terrific, but we have to say that um, this was bad advice. I biffed this. And I wish what I had heard from you was, David, I think it's unwise to bet against Pete Buttigieg. That's what I would say. Now, this is what I have to say. This is another thing that I have to say. I have to say two things right now. This is incredible. I am also obligated to say that my old friend from college, Bill Share. What college? Oh, it's Oberlin College, one of the most prestigious colleges in Ohio. Little sidebar, I found the archive of the Oberlin student newspaper online the other night, and I went back and found all the cartoons that I drew for the Oberlin student newspaper in the early 90s. Good stuff. And I could reread all the old campus controversies that were tearing Oberlin College campus apart in the, in the mid-90s. And I'm going to say once again, all you people complaining about PC and how PC cultures run amok, I would have loved to have seen you at Oberlin College in 1992. You wouldn't have lasted five fucking seconds. <laughs> what, was, what was one of the controversies? Oh, my God. Con- Starly, there was like uh, – it might have to be a Patreon episode. The – well, there was. I <laughs> mean, we are not having I, an Oberlin. We're going to have episode. a special Patreon episode. <laughs> it's going to be the highest rated podcast episode ever recorded. It's going to be called "A Middle Aged Man Recalls the Cultural Controversies of Oberlin <laughs> That Tore Oberlin Campus Apart in 1992 and 93." We had false flag racist vandalism, <laughs> vandalism that appeared racist but was actually written by people of color to try to um, spark conversations. <laughs> that went over well. We had um, sidewalk chalk uh, message graffiti wars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a lot of that kind of stuff. And I, this isn't like a PC controversy, but they booked 
fucking crash worship to play the to play the uh, <laughs> the campus disco, which was a low ceilinged <laughs> room where they would have disco dancing. They booked this band Crash Worship, which was famous for literally setting off bombs and firecrackers at their concerts. And they would all play drums and have sex with each other while <laughs> people spit fire. That concert got sh- I went to that that concert got shut down literally within two minutes. Crash for <laughs> cra- like literally within two minutes the fire marshal was there because they showed up, they started banging their drums, and then they're like, okay, time for the fireworks. Started this explosions everywhere. It was insane. It was insane. Sounds like the band wars. Sex and explosions. That's gonna be my special one man. Actually, off-Broadway show would be better. I could do, remember when Hal Holbrook pretended to be Mark Twain and he would be like, a man is, a man is, uh, you know, and he would say some aphorisms and talk about being Mark Twain. I'm going to yeah. do that about Oberlin. But Bill Scher, yeah, my buddy from Oberlin College, he called this Pete Buttigieg, he called this in 2019, he said Pete Buttigieg is setting himself up very nicely to be the Department of Transportation head. In 2019, John, he called that up. Was he being sarcastic? No, I think he was really looking at it and was like, this feels like he's gonna, this is a perfect slot for him. I don't think he was being sarcastic. Nothing seems surprising about this to me. I don't understand. It's, it was so It was so predestined. Well, why didn't you tell me not to invest in it then, Starly? I, I, I couldn't have laid it out more clearly. I talked about his cap. That's true. You did mention his little conductor cap. So you think he'll do a good job? I think he might do a good job. I mean, he might do a good job. Who the fuck knows? We have no idea. What this guy, it's, like, it's, like, it's like being like, do you think Michael Jordan, <laughs> famous basketball player, would be good at playing the violin? Uh, I don't know. I've never seen it. Like, I hope so. You know, we'll have to wait and see. No, I don't think he would be good at playing the violin, honestly. That guy has a winner's mindset, and anything he puts his mind to, he can succeed at. Except for not, baseball. Not, ba- not baseball. That that guy could win a violin competition. He could be the he could be the principal uh, soloist of the New York Phil or Chicago Philharmonic, wherever Michael Jordan lives, the Greensboro he's Philharmonic. He's not winning in uh, the ownership category. Yeah, he's uh, really only good at one thing. He's the best at one thing and terrible at everything else. Acting. He's good at acting. Okay. Oh, in basketball. <sighs> Mayor Pete, you better send me some free train tickets once, once, you're the, <laughs> once you're the Secretary of Transportation. Hook me up with some train tickets, all the money I lost betting against you. But don't you think it's better that Pete got it, not Garcetti? Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I guess I'll just eat the money and, and say that was my psychic payment or my karmic payment. But you payment have $600 keeping... dollars now. Why are you complaining about money? I, no one ever has to complain about money again. That's true. We I have do have $600, $600 coming to me from the United States government, baby. A $600 going to last all year. Gonna parcel it out and make it very clear that I'm sticking to a budget, thanks to my government. $20 a week on noodles, that will last 30 weeks, a.k.a. more than half a year of the freshest noodles. Let me say one more thing about Bill. Hmm. Bill has this new podcast that I think he made just for Beckett. It's called When America Worked. It's a history podcast about the virtues of pragmatism and compromise. Beckett? If you still listen to this podcast, you need to go over and listen to Bill's podcast, When America Worked, because this is the literally the dorkiest and wonkiest podcast I have ever heard. And I can't even tell if he's doing a massive troll on everybody on the left. It is literally (laughs) just about how pragmatism is the number one untold story of America. I just have to give a shout out to Bill as long as I'm talking about his Pete Buttigieg wisdom. When America Worked by Bill Scher, Oberlin College, class of 1994. 
people love dunking on him on Twitter because he's always like, we need a bipartisan solution. I'm sorry, but we do. <laughs> That's how the government works. Red Rose Twitter <laughs> losing their mind at Bill Share. <laughs> and I just sit back and delight in the chaos. <laughs> So he's on board with the $600 because that's a bipartisan solution. Yeah, I mean, he's like, what do you want to do? It's fucking Mitch McConnell. What did you think was going to happen? What did you think was going to happen? It's fucking Mitch McConnell. He's, he's, not, he's, he's, he's not always wrong. I know. John Kimball loves Bill Share. So does Bill Share? do we all think that they should have just passed this in August then? Because they, they knew who Mitch McConnell was. They knew what they were up against. So that's what the foolish part was, right? That they didn't just say, we're not going to get anything more. We should do this now. Because that cost people— Months, months of agony, of insecurity. Yeah. The unemployment stuff could have all been happening this entire fall. Yep. And that would have been $300 a week. I think they even said $400 a week back then. Wow. Yeah. So that's, 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 why, that's the problem. That's why we're mad. I like to identify the source of my anger. The nut of the anger. Mm -hmm. It was the spring of 1992, and the campus was torn apart. All right, you know what? Let's just skip the fact that Trump declared martial law or wants to, wants to declare martial law. I have one question about the martial law thing, though. All right. What was his plan? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Because he, he, he wanted to declare martial law to do a rerun of an election. Yeah, how do you Mike, make Michael martial Flynn. law? But how do you make like an army force you to do an election again? I don't understand the plan. You do it like I how it's in the movie, Starly. I don't know. Go think about some movie, and that's how they'll do it. <laughs> Talk to Mike Flynn. Mike Flynn has yeah. the plan. But is it, but is it they, they line uh, up and they, like, point a gun at your head until you vote again? Uh-huh. <laughs> what is it? It's Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani and Michael Flynn. You know it's going to be normal as fuck. If, it, if it's those three people coming up with it, it's going to be so normal and legal and precedented. <laughs> I just feel like we're not giving the right amount of reverence to the audacity of this plan. You, the, the loophole of martial law to rerun an election is, like, I just feel like we, we, we owe it some respect. Mr. No, Flynn you're right. pushed, Mr. Flynn you're pushed right. for Mr. F- Trump to impose martial law and deploy the military to, quote, rerun the election. <laughs> At one point in the meeting on Friday, Mr. Trump asked about that idea. Ms. Powell's ideas were shot down by every other Trump advisor present, all of whom repeatedly pointed out that she had yet to back up her claims with proof. Do you know why he asked about it? Because it's confusing. He yeah. didn't even know the plan. <laughs> he was he literally was, like, <laughs> everyone, read that, everyone read that passage and was like, God, Trump really asked them to look into this. But maybe Starley's right. And Trump was like, well, hold on. I don't understand this. Wait, what are you suggesting, General Flynn? I'm not saying that I'm opposed to it or in favor of it. I just have trouble understanding the logistics. The military is going to rerun the election. Walk that through for me. I'm going to take notes on my little notepad here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're right. Yeah. He likes the words rerun. He likes the words martial law. Loves martial law. He loves rerun. That's how you make money. Syndication, baby. Rerun means money. He loves money. Yeah. That's why Andy Borowitz is the richest American humorist in the in the American history because he came up with Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. He's been crushing those residuals and those reruns for like 40 years. Andy Borowitz, king of satire. we got to give a shout-out to the master of satire. <laughs> the, <laughs> New Yorker. Ooh, hot, hot, he also hot. wrote on Facts of Life, so he's even probably getting Facts of oh Life residuals God. back in the day. No wonder his satire is so cutting. He has the class war <laughs> rage burning throughout every stroke of his poison pen. Shout-out to Andy Borowitz. Uh, let's do some listener questions. Good golly. Okay. This is a question from Sean. 
Sean writes, this is a nerdy tape recorder question I was hoping David could help me with. I recently purchased a Panasonic RQ113S reel-to-reel tape recorder off of, and then Sean, he lists an auction website that I frequent. And I'm not going to name it because I don't want more people flooding onto this auction site and bidding up these prices. So Sean bought this reel-to-reel tape recorder. He wants to turn it into a DIY analog delay. He says, while it seems to function okay off of DC 9-volt power, the battery housing is grimy and corroded, and overall the thing is just filthy. What cleaning products do you recommend to use on an old tape recorder? Well, if you want to clean the battery housing, you have to remember that depending on the age of the batteries within the tape recorder and the design of the tape recorder, what we commonly refer to as battery acid is actually basic. And so if you want to clean off that residue, you need an acid rather than a base. So don't use baking soda and water solution, which is what I used to use. Instead, you should use white vinegar, and that might help clean the terminals. As to cleaning the plastic housing, I'm in the middle of cleaning some plastic housing of an old tape recorder. It was really grimy. I was able to completely separate it from the mechanism. So I just used mild dish detergent and gave it a once-over with a handy kitchen sponge, you know. You should take it easy. You can use mild dish soap. Uh, Obviously, you use isopropyl alcohol on the tape and record heads, as I've discussed, and then you use uh, rubber renew on the capstan and pinch rollers if there's rubber that's not looking too good. It really depends on what you're trying to clean, but in most cases, mild mild detergent or spray should be fine. Okay, and then Sean goes on, and this is what I really want to focus. He says, says, David, I'm not sure if you're aware of, and then he lists this auction website again, and then he says, but it is a treasure trove of old gear, and it has been a lifesaver for someone like me who used to be digging through thrift stores constantly in pre-pandemic times. Okay, Sean, I think you're the guy who's been going on this website and bidding up all these <laughs> tape recorders that I've been bidding on. And you and I need to come to some kind of truce here, okay? Because I got outbid at the last second on a couple reel-to-reel tape recorders off this very auction site that you are mentioning. So I have this to say to you, Sean, from now on, Before you bid on a tape recorder, you need to check in with Kid Midas and make sure that it hasn't caught my eye and that your bid is not compromising my financial position vis-a-vis some tape recorder. Now, I'm good for now. I give you a month to do whatever you want on this website because I have enough stuff off this website to keep me busy through the holiday season. I spent the weekend trying to fix up two old Casio VL1 early calculator slash synthesizers. And now I've got this reel-to-reel that I bought off this website that I've taken apart and I'm trying to work on. But Sean, you and I need to stay in close contact because I'm more than aware of this website. And it grieves me that you are also aware of this website because the more people on this website, the worse off it is for me in terms of getting bargains. Because the bargains that I used to get on this website two years ago, man, I felt like I was one of three people in the world who knew about this website. And I was snatching up Casio MT35s like, like they were falling off the trees. And now it's hard to get a good bargain on this website. So Sean, you keep in touch about this website. All right, moving on. We had a we had a wonderful Patreon episode, the Tournament of Movie Mustaches, and we got a belated email about some mustaches. As some of you will recall, there was a huge argument on that episode where John and Starley thought that, <laughs> that in a movie that hinged on fake mustaches, the actors had actually grown real mustaches to be their fake mustaches. This was a, yes. this was one of the biggest. This is still this is still not resolved. This market is not resolved on this mustache. Yeah, Mike writes in the fake real mustaches argument reminded me of a recent Hollywood mustache controversy for the film Mission Impossible Fallout. 
Henry Cavill grew an amazing, in my opinion, bad guy mustache. During filming, it turned out that the previous movie he had been in, Justice League as Superman, needed some urgent reshoots. You may not know, but Superman, canonically, does not have a mustache. So there was a dilemma about how to accomplish the reshoots. Apparently, the producers of the Superman movie approached the producers of the Mission Impossible movie and asked if Cavill could shave his mustache for the reshoots and then use a fake mustache for the remainder of the M.I. movie. However, the director of the M.I. movie said that a fake mustache just would not cut the mustard. This is a Tom Cruise movie, after all, where not doing your own stunts is frowned upon, let alone using a fake mustache. And that if the Superman producers wanted Cavill to shave, they would need to pay for Mission Impossible to pause shooting and wait for the real mustache to grow back at an exorbitant cost. So instead, Cavill did the Superman reshoots with his real mustache, which was then digitally removed using (laughs) CGI, apparently with varying levels of success depending on the scene. This was a week of crazy news. The president's talking about martial law. We've got Space Force renamed as the Guardians. We get this paltry $600 that everyone's trying to tell us to be grateful for. This story is the craziest news I read all week. The Tom Cruise story. Yeah, about this mustache. Oh, but (laughs) this actual— You you mean this is the craziest—even of the Tom Tom Cruise Cruise news that broke this week, this is the craziest of the Tom Cruise news? This is the only—yeah, Tom Cruise yelling at everybody to wearing masks? Good for him. That's not crazy at all, as far as I'm concerned. No, I agree. I'm I'm on board. Tom Cruise. Yeah, I want him to be a cabinet member. I'm going to the Celebrity Center tonight. If that's the kind of character of the people this place is turning out, sign me up. They—the— this poor guy couldn't even shave his mustache, and he's playing Superman with a mustache? Do you know how much I would pay? It's like, remember when they made that movie Cats? That's the last movie I saw in the theater. And wow. there were all these digital cat people, and they had to digitally remove all these anuses and buttholes that they had shot or something. Uh-huh. And now people are like, I want to see the edit of the movie where they have their anuses sticking out while they're singing. I would pay so much to see a Superman movie where all of a sudden Superman yes. has a mustache. That would be so wonderful. You know, that would be so crazy. Superman flying around with a mustache saying, up, up, and away. And that includes my mustache. And then he flies away and his mustache is right there with him every step of the way. And then he could pull out his little mustache comb and comb it. Oh! Oh, why don't they? Oh, it's wonderful. So this is a real story. Have we checked this out? Have we done a fact check I don't want to know if it's true. I'm queuing on. I don't okay. want to know. All right. This is the Mission Impossible where Tom Cruise, he flies in this movie. He fall. He jumps out of a, a helicopter. He's in air. He breaks his foot on great, the set of this. No, yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah. It's like Dan Crenshaw. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's what that Dan Crenshaw ad that he cut for Georgia was supposed to get everyone riled up to vote. He was obviously working off Mission Impossible Fallout because, yeah, you're right, Starley. Tom Cruise and a cameraman literally jump out of the back of like an AC-130 cargo transport plane and fly into Paris. And they really they did it. fly. Like Superman. The real Superman yeah. happened in this movie. So for— for Henry Cavill to come on and be like, I'm shooting a Superman where I fake fly, but in this movie, you really fly? Do you mind if I do a fake mustache too? Like, <laughs> Okay, when you put it like that, okay, you put it like that, I understand. I understand. Yeah. Tom Cruise is like, hold on, hold on, Henry. I'm out here jumping out of a fucking airplane for real, 
And you're asking me, oh, it's too much for me to grow back my mustache. Can I use a fake mustache? Okay, I understand. Tom Cruise would be annoyed. Yeah. We have the entire industry. (laughs) (laughs) We are not doing a fake mustache. And if I see it again, you're fired. And you're fired. That's really good. Thanks. Starly, any yeah. news on the misconnections front? So much news. Really? Yeah. Okay. So we've heard favorably from our um, original misconnections client, our 23-year-old misconnections client. Uh, she is happy that John's parents are okay. She is glad we're looking out for her. She can't believe Kevin's married. We heard from Kevin saying he and his his wife got a mm-hmm. good laugh listening to my assessment of his email. Everything is okay with Everything's Kevin and okay his wife. Everything's okay with Kevin. Just, yeah, and Kevin is good. Kevin took it all in stride. He was honored to have Starly yell at him. <laughs> yeah. So our, our misconnection respondent is good. Kevin is good. So we have a new um, applicant to be matched with our misconnections respondent. And guess what this guy's name is? David, what is his name? <laughs> it's Kevin. We have two Kevins. This is, what are the odds of this, John? You're the numbers guy. What are the odds that they're both, they're both named Kevin? Not good. Not good or very good? No, they're not good. They're, they're, they're low. They're, they're nearly impossible. But that's good odds if you're betting and you bet on the Kevin market. If you gotten in early on the Kevin market? If you would, yeah, if you would put all money in the Kevin bracket right now. Oh, my God. You would be so rich. You would be getting paid right now. So we have two Kevins. Yeah, the, so an, a second Kevin replied to our, our anonymous respondent saying, I know this is crazy, but I would be interested. I'm a cute guy. He sent a photo. He's a cute guy. And he said, now the crazy thing is my name is also Kevin. And that's going to be really confusing. So then, okay, so that's one thing. Now we go over to Pedal Mist Connections. A couple of listeners have sent me pedals. I got that analog delay that I fixed up. And then another listener reached out and was like, hey, I'm going to send you a JHS overdrive pedal with a broken foot switch. See if you can fix it. Both of those guys are named Dennis. So on the one hand, human misconnections, both of the men involved are named Kevin. And in pedal misconnections, both of those guys are named Dennis. I mean, that's, that is, something, something's something, going on. Something is fishy. And this is not a bit or a joke. This is actually true when it comes to these names. Something is fishy. And I don't know if this is what QAnon is, if being in QAnon <laughs> yeah. is this exciting. Exactly. But I feel like I'm about to go on Reddit and read so many essays about Kevin and Dennis and how even the vowel and consonant structures of their names are so similar. Kevin, Dennis. Oh, boy. They're so similar. This is nuts. Mm-hmm. Okay, so our second... Our second Kevin, I think you might be onto something there. Our second Kevin writes this. Hi, EPM. I know you just declared a ban on misconnections, but wanted to write back to reply to Anonymous. I'm 25, which I know is her cutoff, and I live in Chicago. I like guitar, movies, and, of course, EPM. Considering the world is crazy right now, I can't think of anything more fitting than asking someone to a virtual date through a podcast. Also, unlike the previous Kevin, I am very much not married. Feminism is cool. Starly, please act as my overbearing mother and set us up. Thanks. And he, and he sends photo evidence that he's 25, and he's listening to an episode of EPM. And he has a big computer. He has a big computer screen, and that's a sign of wealth and power. That's yeah, very good. a big monitor. That's a good sign. So this is what I have to say about this. 
we'll wait till our anonymous respondent gives us the go to connect her with Kevin. We can send okay. her second information. Kevin, we should call him. The second, second Kevin. Kevin. Kevin too. Kevin too. But the only editorializing I'm going to do is, see, I'm not crazy about the overbearing mother part. When our anonymous oh. respondent, she called me her mother, I didn't, you know, I had some reaction to that when I first read that. But then I was like, what am I reacting at? Mothers are great. I can, I, I can be her mother. And it was said with love. She was like, thanks for looking out for me like you were my mom. Yeah. Kevin calling me overbearing. He added overbearing. She never said mm-hmm. overbearing. Mm-hmm. It's a loaded word. I feel like half of my time on this podcast is now spent defending guys named Kevin. <laughs> I think he just used the wrong word. I, think, I know. You know, he's trying to get it like a, a mother who's like meddling and I like, know. I'm going to set you up with so-and-so. I want you to, you know, this is a very nice girl. I, think I know. Always, always understanding it's always in good faith. But I'm saying as a helpful tip to Kevin as he goes on past the age of 25, overbearing is not a neutral word. Mm, okay. Maybe he said it, maybe he said it sarcastically or well, ironically. That's, but that's, that's an issue. That's still, still wow. reckless. Starley's out here killing these Kevins. I'm working with the information that I've been given. All I'll say to my Dennis's, my Dennis's, I love you. Keep these pedals coming. I've no complaints, Dennis's. I love Dennis's. So the other thing from on the, on the matchmaking front, we have a new listener who wants to be matched. Really? Yeah. I hope it's Dennis. Let it be a Dennis. <laughs> His name is Dan. Is it our executive producer, Dan Powell? No, not Dan Powell. Dan Powell is happily married. His wife loves listening to Election Profit Makers, listen to every one of our episodes. Okay. So Dan wrote to me on Twitter and said, Starly, I would like to sign up for EPM Misconnections. I'm a 31-year-old man-bund vegan marketing professional. An elderly woman who I did not know once told me, you're long and lean like a tall green bean. It remains my favorite description of myself. Seeking an arranged marriage to a woman— also, fun fact, I fired the first shot in the election profit makers' ban wars. Oh, this is, yeah, this is the guy who started the ban wars. And what was the first ban? He, when we did our ban jubilee and we unbanned Nancy Pelosi and Satchel and Beckett and everybody so that we could all get through the election together, he wrote in and said, damn it, I really wanted you to ban my friend. And I said, donate some money to voting rights and I'll ban your friend. And that's what started the ban wars. So this, I mean, so he, we, it's the least we could do is giving him a service back since he mm-hmm. provided us with mm-hmm. the seed of the ban wars. So I wrote back, mission accepted. Is mission, yeah, that's that's okay. I can say that because that's not what they said d- during the war. Right. <laughs> uh, he said- They didn't technically ever say it. It was just written on the banner. Oh, that's like, that's like Casablanca. It's like play it against Sam. Right, yeah. When really what he said was, use your piano to amuse me. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. So then I, I had some follow-up questions. I wanted to know if he'd ever been set up before and if that was a success or not a success. Oh, that was a good question. I wouldn't have thought to ask that. That's a great question. Thank you. And then I asked him, why does he think he's single? Because that's the, really the Ooh. most important thing to know. I mean, that's the nut. I know. Um, he said, thank you for doing your due diligence on this. I believe, um, as per Twitter's terms and conditions, you now have the legal power to marry me to anyone, possibly Whoa. anything that you choose. So I definitely appreciate that you're gathering more information. And then he said, yes, he has been set up by a mutual friend to a woman who I would end up dating for a few years in my mid-20s. I definitely consider that one a success. 
Over time, what we each needed from the relationship changed to a point where they were mutually exclusive. Specifically, she was now exploring developing new aspects to her identity that made her desirous of an open relationship. And at that time, that wasn't something that I can imagine myself happy with. But mm-hmm. nonetheless, I still look back on that relationship really fondly. We were compatible, silly goofballs, and I really enjoyed the time we spent partnered. That's nice. Yeah, I'm pro Dan. Number two, why is he single? Also a good question, but a toughie. Might be the man bun. Mm, well, I, I feel like people like man buns. All right, good, because I'm about at that stage. Dan buns. Dan bun. Hey, John, that's cool. Dan bun. Yeah. Thanks. Um, I would say contributing factors include living in a smallish town, although I'll be relocating now that my job is fully remote, and then my age is a tough one to meet new people. Mm-hmm. Or at least it seemed that way to me. Congenital introversion also probably has limited the degree to which I could put myself in situations where meeting people would be more easily facilitated. So he's a natural introvert. Mm-hmm. That's what that means, right? Yep. So yeah, that's a I, lo- I buy that. I buy as a, as a in my twenties, and yeah. I'm a slight introvert. That was a tough time. That was a tough time to meet people. But doesn't he seem good? He seems good. Where is he? Do we know what city he's in? What part of the country? I feel like that's important. I feel like he's in Chicago. Really? Is that because you is that because you told me he was in Chicago or I don't think she told where he was. I didn't actually ask. I was so, I'm less regionally. You got right now, so deep seems- you don't even know where this guy is. He could be living on a super tanker in the middle of the Indian Ocean. How's anyone gonna date him? The the original respondent, mm-hmm. uh, who will remain nameless, is in the Philadelphia. Philadelphia area. Yep. I feel like right now, though, everyone's on Zoom. That it's, it's, it doesn't kind of everywhere. matter where you live. Yeah. All right, I have a misconnection, too. This is a guitar effects misconnection. This is not someone sending me a pedal. This is someone looking to trade, and I'm happy. This is our first guitar effects misconnection. It's coming in from Paul. Paul says, I'm, I'm looking for a working Delta Lab Effectron 2. It's a rack-mounted analog delay and modulation effect unit. So that's what he wants. Here's what he can trade. This is what he has to offer. I can trade away a BBE Green Screamer pedal. It's similar to a, the legendary Ibanez Tube Screamer. We all know this, the, one of the most storied overdrive pedals ever made. And in addition to this BBE Green Screamer pedal, he also has the Alesis MIDI Verb 2 rack-mounted classic reverb unit. That Alesis, I looked it up, that's an iconic rack-mounted unit. So if you have a Delta Lab Effectron 2 and you're looking for a nice overdrive and an Alesis reverb unit, Get in touch, and I will hook you up with Paul, and we can facilitate this trade. The pedal Yenta is ready to deal. I mean, I might start trading pedals through my podcast because I, <laughs> I have some pedals that that I might be looking to swap around. I had a friend named Thomas I used to play music with a couple years ago. He would buy and sell pedals on Reverb constantly. He was like John Kimball on Predicted. He was always trading up or trying it out and then being like, I don't need this granular delay. I already have one. I'm going to sell this on Reverb and swap it out for this fuzz with, you know, the gated fuzz pedal or what have you. And I was I was never into that kind of swinging lifestyle when it came to pedal. I was more like monogamous, like I will add to my collection, but I don't want to th- just swap them out, kick them out of bed because I don't like them, you know, with the pedals. But maybe I should get into that. Maybe that would be more intense and hardcore. It's a new year coming up. Yeah, maybe the theme of 2021 should be going hardcore. <laughs> that would be Joe Biden. <laughs> Joe Biden gives a big speech at his inauguration. He's like, friends, we've been through it. Because this week, Biden was tweeting shit like, the healing will begin in one month. It's like, mm, I don't know what disease you think we have, Joe Biden. <laughs> I, I hope he comes out on inauguration day and was like, 
Friends, <laughs> we are going hardcore. That is going to be our mantra. <laughs> wow, this is our last, our second to last episode of the year. This is our last episode before Christmas. People might listen to this around Christmas. Everyone who celebrates Christmas. They might listen to it on Christmas. If you listen to this on, if you wake up on Christmas morning and find this latest episode of Election Profit Makers Under the Tree, let me say, what morning is it, little boy? It's Christmas morning. Mm -hmm. Then go buy that goose down in the shop window and bring me that goose. Here's a sixpence and a farthing for your trouble. Do you guys know about the Christmas Carol? Movie is sick. I heard if you um, like convert that farthing to modern currency, uh -huh. it's six hundred dollars. <laughs> go take this government stimulus. Go buy the biggest goose. Well, maybe the second biggest goose in the shop window. And then bring it to me. I will take it to Bob Cratchit's house and I'll feed his pathetic little family. We got to give a shout out to Tiny Tim, though. You can't fuck with Tiny I Tim. I love that Tiny kid, Tim. That kid knew the spirit of Christmas. And the second ghost, the one who just likes to party and drink wine and eat grapes. Remember that ghost? Okay, but so don't you think if there's ever a year where the ghosts are really going to come, it's going to be this year? Oh, it better. There better be ghosts going up in the White House. There better be, fuck three ghosts. There better be 315,000 ghosts. This might be the year. If there was ever a bunch that needed to be visited by the ghosts more. 2020, let's end it with ghosts. Because like you said, Starly, our president, like Ebenezer Scrooge, loves money. He's crazy for money. And then he'll take a shiny gold coin with his face on it that's worth $600 and he'll flip it out the window to all the little protesters on the street below and the National Guard. Merry Christmas to those who celebrate. What a Christmas this year will be. Not going to be one of the greatest Christmases ever. But if we keep that Christmas spirit like little Tiny Tim taught us to with his little wooden leg or his cane or whatever he had, then maybe we'll, maybe we'll be okay. God bless us, everyone, I guess is what I'm trying to say. You lived another day. You did a good job. It's a hard year, but you're doing your best, and that's all anyone can do. Election Profit Makers is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Rich Course, and Daniel Powell. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers if you want to hear our quarantine and space episode coming soon. Send your election prediction questions or your human misconnections or your effects pedal misconnections to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. And guys, I'm going to say this. We still have this deal with Predict It, and there is still money to be made. You saw how much money John made after the election was over. You want to get in on that, go to predictit.org slash promo slash EPM20. Receive up to $20 in matching funds. A reminder to please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a nice message on the internet about this wonderful podcast called Election Profit Makers. Congratulations to John Kimball. The presidential market's closed and you got paid out and you were finally, after four long years, you have financially redeemed the horrors of 2016. So I just want to acknowledge that at the end of this episode. Good job. Congratulations. Thank you so much. And congratulations to all the listeners that did the same. Yep. And congratulations to every American who is now rich. And every and we're all rich. $600. Don't buy, maybe only buy two cars with it. <laughs> John. <laughs> Stop at two. Bye. Bye. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>